Thank you for joining us for Outfront Magazine. My name is Michael Cisneros. You are listening to Aftersight. This recording is intended solely for individuals who are blind or have low vision. Thank you for joining us for Outfront Magazine. My name is Michael Cisneros. This reading is for January 23rd, 2024. Today I'll be reading the following articles. Renee Rapp Believes Regina George is a Lesbian by Kendall McLean. LGBTQ plus Brits worry they can't foster due to their sexuality by Clara Gauthier. And Christian Stewart reflects on Twilight, calls it a gay movie, also by Clara Gauthier. Renee Rapp says she believes her character, Regina George, in the 2024 Mean Girls musical movie remake is a lesbian. The 24-year-old bisexual singer and actor has gained mass attention in recent years, having an especially large queer fan base. Rapp plays Leighton Murray, a stuck-up yet lovable lesbian on HBO's The Sex Lies of College Girls. She also made her full-length album debut in 2023 with Snow Angel. Rapp began her career at 19, combining her acting and singing talent as Regina George in the Broadway musical Mean Girls. Five years later, she reprised her role for the movie a- musical adaptation of the Broadway show. Regina George, an iconic character known for her snarky treatment of others, has been theorized to be a lesbian by queer fans for years. The popular mean character is secretly gay. Chope has been prevalent in pop culture and encourages fans to analyze their actions through a queer lens. Renee Rapp chimes into the debate and makes her perception of Regina being a lesbian clear. In an Instagram post, Rapp writes a caption that simply states, Regina George was a lesbian. Mean Girls watchers note the dramatic fallout Regina and Janice had over Janice's lesbianism. Though the two hate each other during the film, their mysterious past alludes to homoerotic elements. Regina's cruel disposition is explained through repression and resentment. Whether this is harmful or not, it is another story. But either way, Regina holds queer characteristics. Rap's portrayal of Regina is not the only vocally queer shift in the 2024 Mean Girls movie musical. Janice is an implied lesbian in the 2004 Mean Girls, though the end of the film shows her romantically with a man. The 2024 version has Janice as a lesbian who goes to the spring fling with another woman. Tina Fey, the writer of Mean Girls, says in an interview with Gay Times that Mean Girls 2024 might be the gayest movie ever made. The 2024 Mean Girls showcases multiple openly queer characters, and Renee Rapp playing Regina George through a queer lens makes the already gay staple film even gayer. LGBTQ plus Brits worry they can't foster due to their sexuality. Despite the reality, a surprising number of queer Brits worry that they are ineligible or would be denied the right to foster a child due to their sexuality. In a survey by Swiss Foster Care, the largest independent foster agency in the UK, 32% of LGBTQ plus people said that they were interested in fostering, but 19% of those responders said that they were unsure if they would qualify because of their sexuality. 
This is due to the popularity of the myth that queer people are often denied the ability to foster children. Queer people believe the myth at consistently higher rate than straight people. In reality, sexuality is not a requirement for foster care in the UK. A person who wants to be a foster parent only needs to be older than 21, have a spare bedroom in a stable living environment regardless of whether they are renting or own their home, have British citizenship or indefinite leave to remain, and be truly interested in providing a safe home for a child. An increase in the number of LGBTQ plus foster carers could improve the treatment of LGBTQ youth in foster care, as they often face discrimination and mistreatment in foster care by either the carers or other children, which could be lessened by the involvement of queer adults to help. This treatment can also be improved by increasing the general knowledge of LGBTQ plus children in foster care and better training of foster carers about what to do to help queer youth. The Fostering Network describes how foster care needs to improve with queer youth, saying that meeting the needs of LGBTQ plus young people is not an adaptation or a skill you acquire, it is something that happens naturally when you question and challenge heteronormative assumptions which are the default in our society. Kristen Stewart reflects on Twilight, calls it a gay movie. Kristen Stewart revisits Twilight from an out and queer perspective 16 years after the original release of the movie. In an interview with Variety in preparation for the Sundance Film Festival premieres of Love Me and Love Lies Bleeding, Stewart reflects on the evolution of her career and the impact her queerness has had on it in the years since she has publicly came out, especially due to how queer Stewart feels Love Lies Bleeding is in comparison to her other work. This reflection caused her to rethink both her role in Twilight and the movie as a whole to view it through a queer lens. She told Variety, I can only see it now, and I don't think it necessarily started off that way. But I also think that the fact that I was there at all, it was percolating. The actress adds, in such a gay movie, I mean Jesus Christ, Taylor Lautner, and Rob and I, and it's so hidden and not okay. While an objectively straight movie, Twilight contains several themes and hallmarks of other queer-coded movies. Stewart describes it all as all about oppression, about wanting what's going to destroy you. That's a very gothic, gay inclination. She suggests this has to do with the background of Stephanie Meyer, the author of the original book, stating, I mean, a Mormon woman wrote this book. In contrast to the repression of Twilight, Love Lies Bleeding promises to be a more explicit and unabashed with its depictions of desire. Stewart's character in the new film Lou is described by Variety as masculine, scrappy, and unmistakably horny. This is exceptionally different from Stewart's portrayal of Bella in the Twilight franchise, who is feminine, timid, and deeply repressed. While Stewart has played a variety of roles throughout her career, Lou promises to be a character that Rose Glass, director of Love Lies Bleeding, describes as a bit closer to who Stewart is. Efforts to limit gender-affirming health care continue in 2024. In the first two weeks of the new year, Republican legislatures have already introduced dozens of new bills to restrict transgender people's access to gender-affirming care. Multiple states have passed or are looking to pass anti-trans legislation restricting access to hormone therapy and surgeries for both minors and adults. 
According to LGBTQ plus advocates, most states likely to pass anti-transgender laws already have. Now, they are expected to build up these laws and extend their reach. At least 22 states have already established some form of anti-trans legislation, mostly for children. According to the translegislation.com, there are over 300 bills either introduced or passed in 2024 so far. Quickly, catching up to a total of 588 in 2023, in Ohio and in New Hampshire, laws to ban gender-affirming surgeries for minors are already well underway, despite such surgeries being exceptionally rare. Ohio is also drastically upping the requirements for adults to be diagnosed with gender dysmorphia. And it doesn't stop at minors. Under Ron DeSantis, it became almost impossible for any transgendered person in Florida to receive gender-affirming care. South Carolina plans to soon introduce a bill removing transgender care from Medicaid for anyone under 26, and in Oklahoma, a bill blocks anyone who provides transgender health care for public funding. Meanwhile, Republicans in Missouri are looking to make their ban on gender-affirming care for minors permanent. Even in the more left-leaning states, transgender rights aren't entirely safe. Republican lawmakers in states such as California and Wisconsin are attempting to limit transgender people's access to everything from school to sports to gender-affirming care. Though thankfully, they've run into a bit more trouble passing these bills. In addition, the fact that many states' legislatures are up for election this year means that transgender rights may be used as a wedge issue by politicians seeking conservative votes. The situation isn't completely hopeless, though. Many laws already in place are being challenged on state and national level by civil rights advocacy groups. The American Civil Liberties Union, ACLU, has attempted to block trans health care bans in Kentucky and Tennessee, and the 8th U.S. Circuit is looking into Arkansas's ban on gender-affirming care for minors. Irish Minister of State Jack Chambers comes out as gay. Jack Chambers rings in the new year with a vulnerable declaration of his sexuality. The Irish Minister of State shared a montage encapsulating his highlights of 2023 on Instagram with a caption that states, I'm starting 2024 by telling you all that I am proud to say that I am gay. He further notes the impact of having support from his friends and family, saying this community allowed him the courage to be authentic. Chambers has served as the Minister of State since 2020 and is a member of the Fianna Fáil, Soldiers of Destiny Party. Fianna Fáil, the dominant political party of the Republic of Ireland, is a nationalist and conservative party that emphasizes Irish unity. Chambers also recently shifted towards a more pro-choice stance in which he supports access to abortions up to 12 weeks. Along with his role as the Minister of State, the Department of Transport and the Department of Environment, Climate and Communications, Chambers serves as a TD, Lower House of the Parliament, as the Director of Local Elections for 2024. His coming out grants queer people more visibility in Ireland and politics. He notes Ireland's inclusivity in his coming out, stating he is fortunate that Ireland is a country that has made so many strides in recent years, becoming a much more inclusive and equal society to the extent that the sharing of this information is becoming increasingly unremarkable. 
Ireland's inclusivity was prompted first in 1993 when same-gender marriage was decriminalized, then legalized in November of 2015. Shortly after Leo Varadkar came out as gay in January of 2015, becoming the first prime minister to do so. Politicians being openly queer encourages visibility and representation in high positions. Jack Chambers coming out highlights LGBTQ plus people having a place in governmental roles, allowing queer people to both have a voice in policy and see their rights being accounted for. Billie Eilish Speaks on Gender and Sexuality Billie Eilish sat down in an interview with Variety and spilled the tea on many topics. Eilish rose to fame with her song Ocean Eyes when she was just 13 years old and then released the albums Don't Smile at Me and When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go, which ultimately led to her success when she was just a teen moving into adulthood. Eilish has had a successful career thus far, winning seven Grammys and one Oscar, all before the age of 21. However, Eilish admits that she has always felt out of place when it came to women, explaining that she always followed the assumption that women didn't like her. I've never felt like I could relate with any other girls, she says. Eilish delved deeper into her connections with women and how she truly feels about them. I have a deep connection with the women in my life. I'm physically attracted to them, but I'm also so intimidated by them, their beauty and their presence, she explains. Her relationship with womanhood has gotten its time in the spotlight after her very popular song, What Was I Made For?, which is the theme song for the Barbie movie featuring Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. This song is played at the end of the movie during the part when Barbie sees what it feels like to be a woman followed by a slideshow of the character's personal memories. Eilish also reveals her struggle with her gender identity. I've always identified as a she-her and things like that, but I have never felt like a girl, she adds. Mixed with these struggles, Eilish also had to deal with people who were curious about her developing body. Unfortunately, Eilish fell victim to body shaming and being sexualized by many people. What is even more disgusting is that the tabloids were drawn to this, making the situation even more uncomfortable for her. Eilish brushes off those comments with class, saying that people should focus less on women's body, since none of this attention is being paid to men. The Pink House proposed BIPOC LGBTQ plus coffee bar needs donations to open in Colorado Springs. The Pink House Bar and Shop of BIPOC LGBTQ Plus Centered Coffee Bar and Shop is set to open in downtown Colorado Springs. The collective starting the space is asking for community support as they prepare to launch this new community hub. So far, they have fundraised over $2,000, but more community support and donations will help the Pink House plan its roots. A collective of friends in Colorado Springs conceived the idea for the Pink House. The group, who already hosts community events and gatherings, recognized the few communal spaces that were truly accepting and safe for BIPOC and LGBTQ+, and other vulnerable groups. The Pink House aims to create an exclusive permanent space in Colorado Springs. On their GoFundMe, they say the Pink House will be by and for BIPOC and LGBTQ plus people with disabilities and more. 
They say we will host everything from local artists, book clubs, and open mics to food drives and opportunities for education for our local community, plus so much more. Their menu will include coffee, soups, as well as vegan, gluten-free, and allergen-free food. They also plan to host a weekly farmer's market and community garden. With the general community and LGBTQ plus folks in Colorado Springs still healing and remembering those lost at Club Q and waiting for the reopening of icons after a fire damaged the Springs LGBTQ plus bar last year. Colorado Springs has been left with few public queer spaces. The Pink House's goal is to offer a space that welcomes a community in need of a haven. The founding friends say the Pink House is a response to accessible, neurodivergent-friendly hangout spaces for all ages, including young queer people being limited in town and are needing now more than ever in today's current climate. Donations will greatly aid the launch of this project and help ensure that BIPOC, LGBTQ+, and vulnerable groups have a safe place in Colorado Springs. You can donate at their GoFundMe and find out more information on their website. City Council bans LGBTQ+, books from youth section in Kansas Library. A Kansas City Council with ties to extremist Christian Fraternity Society of St. Pius X forced a local library to remove youth-oriented LGBTQ books in order to renew their lease. As queer books continue to be banned in the United States, St. Mary's branch of Potawatomi-Wabansi Regional Library has been forced to remove LGBTQ books from their junior section. Last year, St. Mary's Mayor and Council Member Matthew Childs proposed a renewal clause in the library's lease that required the removal of all socially divisive and LGBTQ plus books. The clause was dropped after public backlash, but the council positioned the lease renewal to ensure the removal of LGBTQ plus material for younger audiences. In November, a six-person committee, about half of whom have ties with the extremist religious group sect, the Society of St. Pius X, evaluated books by searching the library's catalog for keywords like gay, transgender, lesbian, bisexual, and queer. About a dozen books were removed from the junior collection and relocated to other branches. Some of the books removed include Squad, Blood Countess, The Great American Whatever, Beyond Clueless, Red Rolls of Magic, Infinite Sun, and Icebreaker. Library Director Judith Creamer says with most of these titles, the topic really isn't LGBTQ or anything like that. It's just describing a reality that is normal now for most people. With her priority being keeping the St. Mary's Library open, she says, we need to protect all of our areas of information so that when people need that information to make decisions about their life, we have that information available. I know that, and that's what I'm striving for, but I do have to compromise to keep the doors open. The Kansas Reflector reported that... Commission Gerard Kleinsmith, a liaison between the City Commission and the Library Advisory Committee, aims to end the library's renewal due to library's collection of LGBTQ plus books, stating, I will not ever vote for any taxpayer money, facilities, anything to be used anywhere that houses this kind of garbage. 
if silencing people and removing books is akin to taking out the garbage, how does Kleinsmith feel about the freedom of speech? Perhaps he supports the First Amendment, then aligns it with his belief system. But it would seem when people outside of his comfort zone exercise this right, it is just garbage. Triumph of Love is coming to Wheat Ridge Theater Company. February is quickly approaching, and with the Love in the Air, Wheat Ridge Theater Company will perform The Triumph of Love. It is showing from February 2nd to the 18th on the weekends. I had the privilege of speaking to Maru Garcia, she, her, Alex Romberg, she, her, and Arden Payne's They, Them, three creatives who have worked to bring a wonderful production to the stage again. Could you tell me a little bit about the Wheat Ridge Theater Company? Maru stated, We started in 2018 and we started renting different spaces in different locations. We did shows at a brewery and a restaurant, a little theater, and then during the pandemic, we did some drive through theaters. We had three projects in which there was drive through theater, so everyone was safe. It was a nice experience. In November of last year, we opened the new space, so now we have a permanent house. We tried to be a little bit original in our choice of plays and do some plays that other theater companies have not done in the past five years. We are very inclusive, so it's a very comfortable environment. Could you tell me a little bit about each of you and what your role is in the company? Maru states, I am the executive producer. I was the little Mexican lady that started with this crazy idea. This is my third company. I guided one in Mexico, and then I guided one in Westminster from 2009 to 2012. And then I rested for a while because you can imagine how much work that is. And around 2018, I'm like, I think it's time again. I started this company, gathered my board of directors, and we started inviting people to collaborate with us. So I do everything from meeting with the board of directors supporting the actors, doing the bank statements, box office, sweeping, directing, acting, set design, prop design, costumes, getting the supplies for all the bathrooms, whatever is needed, I'm there. Alex stated, I've worked with Reet Ridge Theater Company twice before as a sound designer, and I'm now fulfilling the role of director in this project. So I analyze the script and figure out the vision for how we want to tell our story. Cast the actors, look out for the well-being of said actors, make sure we're all on the same page as collaborators and as a team, get all of the creative crew together and see how we allow them to let their artistic visions blossom within the overall artistic vision of the show. And again, you know, it goes towards storytelling always. How are we going to tell stories with the props? How are we going to tell stories with the costumes? How are we going to tell a story with the lighting? Arden states, I worked on ideation in the past, and I was stage manager for that. I'm stage managing this show as well. I took a hiatus from theater during the pandemic. I graduated in 2018 with my bachelor's in the arts, and I needed that hiatus to kind of recenter and work on myself, my personal and mental health at the same time. So finding Wheat Ridge was like kind of finding the needle in the haystack. When I was looking at your website, I saw that the casting lists for the characters had gender presenting instead of specific genders. Was that a practice that started back in 2018? 
Maru. It's a practice that started in 2018 when we created the company, with the idea of being as inclusive as possible as long as we can accommodate needs. So, for example, when looking at a space to have a company, we were literally careful to choose a space that would be accessible to wheelchairs, because that way we can accommodate actors that are in a wheelchair. We're inclusive and have different perspectives. I believe that more differences in perspectives that we can share, the better it will be for us. As an artistic community, so could you give me a bridge summary of the story of Triumph of Love, Alex? A princess falls in love with a prince who, unbeknownst to her, is slated to assassinate her that day. And in order to win his heart, she has to come up with all these disguises and schemes. She ends up seducing his uncle and his aunt, and has to figure out a way to untangle the whole mess, win her prince, and not get herself assassinated. The plot is from an 18th-century French playwright who was a sort of contemporary of Molière, and his name was Pierre de Marivaux. And he did a lot of plays that I don't know how they got public. Honestly, the plot comes from the original play, and same thing: princess falls in love with the prince, has to disguise herself as a man, and ends up seducing all these extra people of different genders. So it did get shut down relatively quick in the French court because they were like, "Oh." This is a little weird, Arden. It takes place in ancient Greece, specifically in Sparta, and Princess Leonid is the princess of Sparta. She pretty much, as far as the show tells us, rules it all by herself. She sees this guy named Dejas, and it's like love at first sight. You know, she sees him, and she's like, "That's my man." The only problem is that he lives and studies in a secret garden where only men are allowed, except for one woman, his aunt, and they dedicate their life to study and books and reason. In order to meet him, of course, Leonid dresses up as a man to enter the garden and gets to talk to him. We're playing a lot with gender and sexuality in the show by, you know, having like gender blind casting as well as just like really playing up the aspects of the show that are inherently queer. On your website, your mission statement says that you're committed to producing theater in alternative spaces. Could you expand on like what that exactly means, Maru? Of course, we have our main house. However, we expand to different places. So, for example, we have done drive-through theater. I'm going as part of the theater company to direct a play in New Jersey that takes place in all the rooms of space, so people travel from space to space. We are planning to have maybe at some point a more expensive play called Merlin that is done in the park with different stages. I am trying because I'm passionate about alternative spaces, but the board is in agreement with me to do Alice in Wonderland as a drive-through theater. So we are always looking to find ways of taking theater outside of the confines of the space, and that has been. I started doing theater. We do theater, but find an alternative. Not only people going to the same place, so we love doing theater at a restaurant or a park or a drive-through, or in the whole building sometimes. Thank you again for joining us for Outfront Magazine. My name is Michael Cisneros. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aftersight.org or by calling three zero three seven eight six seven 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 seven. Thank you again for joining us for Outfront Magazine. My name is Michael Cisneros.